1: Hello, you are listening to Just Films and That. This is the podcast where we talk about films we think are underseen, underrated, or sometimes we just want to talk about them, don't we? Um, I'm the host of this week, it's Josh, and I'm joined, as ever, by my co-host, Alice Oliver. Alice, how are you doing? I'm
2: very well, thank you, Josh. Love's in the yeah. air. Right, that's enough or uh, we'll get
1: fined. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's Valentine's Day, isn't it?
2: It is romantic, a isn't beautiful it? romantic day.
1: Yeah, or not, depending, <laughs> or on, not. Yeah, depending on. what you... are doing. Listen, <laughs> even if you're single, treat yourself to a nice meal and uh, and make <laughs> love to yourself. Do You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? We, <laughs> That's what we're always saying. Uh, so, so, here. I've always said that. Just like <laughs> that. Love yourself, guys. Love yourself. Um, are you a, are you a Valentine's Day person? You and Mister Oliver? or Are you not asked? Um,
2: I'm 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 pretty shit at all that stuff to be honest. Like Valentine's Day, anniversaries. It's not that I forget. I just don't really care. And then he'll (laughs) end
1: up... About your relationship.
2: About anything, man. I don't care about anything. (laughs) But then he, quite often, he'll get me like really sweet and really thoughtful gifts. And then I'm like, oh, fuck. So then I usually end up going big for his birthday or for Christmas to kind of make up for it because his birthday's in March. So what will happen? I can see it happening. Valentine's Day, I'll go, we weren't doing it for Valentine's Day. Can't be bothered. He'll go, Oh well I did get you something anyway, and it'll be something really thoughtful and really niche and I'll go, fuck. Now I've really got to knock it out the park for his birthday. I wonder if that's his strategy.
1: (laughs) He's one of those guys. I bet do you set a limit for Christmas and he goes over it? Um no,
2: I usually go over I usually go over the limit for Christmas because once I get started Because you go quite big on Christmas, don't you? We did. We yeah, have done go. the past couple of years again, though. That's me trying to make up for lost time because I was a bit of an insufferable douchebag for the first part of our relationship. <laughs> yeah. So now and, I'm just and, trying and to really now. make up. I'm still for it. still now. Yeah. Still um, now. I'm just self-aware so <laughs> about it, you know. Know not about it now. It okay. <laughs> Ah. Uh what about you you strike me as a hell of a romantic. Well, when you think about some of the films oh, you've picked on you know it. <laughs> what
1: yeah um I am but our anniversary is 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 really late January so because mm. it's only a few weeks before Valentine's Day we don't go big on Valentine's Day we tend mm. to just do a card but we do do stuff for our anniversary so like we'll go out Aww. for a meet will go out for a meal and yeah I'll get her, I'll get her a card this year she she, she forgot <laughs> I got her a card and took her out for a meal and got her some flowers. Mm. And then the next day, she genuinely went to me, I was going to get you a card after all that, but mm. I still forgot. She was going to get oh, a forgot because she forgot. She forgot to get the card that she forgot. So that's she what She forgot I'm, to
2: that, get you, the card she was meant to get because she forgot yeah, the card.
1: Yeah, that's, that's what I'm <laughs> dealing with over here. So, <laughs> um, hole, yeah. yes, very similar to, to, you, yeah. to yourself. <laughs> um,
2: so, no, we are, you
1: know, I, listen, for me, Romance is a year round thing, Alice. Every day,
2: man, you've got to love that person every single day, Uh, even if that person is yourself. Exactly.
1: Uh, And that brings us on to this week's episode, of course. So, this Mm. week it is our Valentine's Day special. So, we thought, who better to pick this week's film than you guys out there? our wonderful lovely and probably romantic listeners and mm-hmm. um, so we put it out there on twitter what you guys thought was the most romantic film we had loads of great suggestions uh, so thank you very much to everyone who got in touch we did look at all of them and between us uh, we've decided to talk about you've got mail and um, so this one was chosen by at green elf oz uh, on twitter so i got in touch with them and asked them to tell us a little bit about themselves and why they picked this film so her name is Karen and she said this my name is Karen I live in Australia hello Karen Uh, you've got you've got mail is a sweet little movie that I used to own on VHS tape (laughs) I love it because of the autumn in New York setting the markets the bookshop the freshly sharpened pencils the dynamic between the main characters is great (laughs) you feel the attraction right away and they have to work for it throughout the film oh and there's a cute dog Perfect. So that's
2: what. <gasps> There's said. so many dogs there is in this a lot film. Not only film. have we got Tom mm. Hanks's what I think is a golden retriever, but yes, I swear dogs kept popping up all the they time do. in this film, they do. walking in the parks. Oh yeah, I saw. I was there with you, Karen, with the dogs for sure.
1: Dogs always make a film as well.
2: I mean, for always, me, I'm, yeah. I'm dog
1: crazy. So that is why Karen chose it. Then, like like we said before, we went through all the suggestions and we chose this between us. So Alice. What struck you about this one? Why did you pick it out of all the suggestions?
2: Well, it's one that I had, obviously back in the day when we had videotapes and you had the trailers at the beginning of videotapes. And I feel like this was a trailer on the beginning of most of my videotapes. Right. But I'd never seen it. Um, and I didn't truly know what it was about. Like you get a, a kind of idea, obviously, you know, oh, online relationship, but that's obviously how far it goes in the trailer. Mm. Uh, so I was definitely intrigued to actually get round to watching this one. Uh, what about you? Yeah,
1: I think for me, it was it, it was the the most high profile film suggested that I hadn't seen. So there was ones I had seen. So, like, the first one that stood out to me, and I, apologies, I can't remember if suggested it, was When Harry Met Sally, which mm. is the same writer as this. Uh, possi- no, not the same director, same writer. And it it is, like, often considered to be the blueprint for the modern um, rom-com. So when we talked mm-hmm. about Breakfast at Tiffany's, it came up then, because Breakfast at Tiffany's is often considered to be the blueprint for all rom-coms, or right. a lot of them. And then When Harry Met Sally came along, it was a little bit of a game changer. And I think then that... Move forward, and you know things have changed, and there's other other films that have come out that we've touched on, things like Bridesmaids and Richard Curtis films and stuff like that. But anyway, so I, I thought about selecting choosing that, but then you mentioned this one, and I hadn't seen it, and I thought, well, do you know what, let's do that. And plus, I don't think, although I'm happy to be corrected, I don't think that I'd um, we've done a Tom Hanks film before.
2: Mm, I mean, I, I don't think we have, but we've made this mistake before. <laughs> we have done with Christian Bale. we didn't do a Christian Bale <laughs> so I don't think we have. But if, if anyone could go through better, all of the <laughs> we episodes we've done
1: and let us know if we've done a Tom Hanks film. Anyway, so that, that's why we chose it. So in terms of a synopsis, if, if you haven't seen You've Got Mail, it's basically a Cinderella story for adults. <laughs> yes yes it is um, it is so tom hanks is uh he works for a big book chain meg ryan she works for uh well she has her own independent bookshop they're talking to each other online um anonymously um falling for, for each other online hence the you've got mail title because if you don't know kids listening out there when you used to get an email if you had an aol email address it went pink you've got mail um that brings back memories um Mm -hmm. anyway so that's so so they're talking to each other and in the meantime in their in their real professional lives they have a little bit of interaction don't get on and it just it's it's you know it's your standard rom-com it goes from there and i'm not really going to say much more about it like karen said it's set in new york which is a big part of it so well let's uh let's get stuck into it then so the question is obviously we'll go through it and talk about what we liked and didn't like but we also need to know at the end is it romantic? Is it the most romantic film you've ever seen? Which is obviously subjective, but we'll try and have a look at it anyway. So, Alice, you haven't seen this before. Mm-hmm. What did you think? What did you like about it?
2: So, I went into this with pretty low expectations. I'll be honest. I was like, "Oh my goodness, how is this going to have aged? Is like, what is the script going to be like?" I just, I, I was because the the trailer that I'd seen so many times as a kid made it look pretty damn <laughs> naff. So I was like, okay, we'll we'll give it a go, but I have not got high expectations for this. Uh, But I was pleasantly surprised and I liked it so much more than I thought I would. Um, What about you, Josh? Before I get stuck in, I want to know kind of what your general feelings were about it.
1: Yeah, it's funny you say that, isn't it, when you see a film trailer? Because I suppose when you're a kid, you're a bit like, ugh, at rom-coms, yeah. <laughs> aren't you? Um, so maybe that. maybe I wonder if that's had any bearing on it for you. Um,
2: maybe.
1: What did I think? Overall, yeah, similar to you. I, I I wouldn't say I went in with low expectations. I went in with expectations that were met, mm-hmm. but that wasn't a reflection on the quality of the film. Um Overall, yeah, I think I think I think I enjoyed it. The stuff I didn't like and stuff I did like, but most of all, you think I'd say, you enjoyed
2: it? That's interesting.
1: Yeah, so I, mean, I reckon the, from
2: the sounds of it, I think I might have liked this more yeah, than man, you did. I wasn't maybe, seeing
1: that coming. I'd probably say the positives outweigh the negatives. But go on, okay. what, what did you? Let's let's hear it then. It, you seem to have liked it, which I'm I'm quite surprised about.
2: Yeah, I'm surprised too. She's, um, such,
1: she's such a cold-hearted person. I know.
2: I'm miserable. I'm miserable like, through just, and through. Just hate everything. I do, I do. But I hate that. <laughs> I hate everything, and I wish I didn't. Um, but I did. I did like this film. So I like the story. I like the characters, and I like the story and character development. Because to begin with, it feels like two people who are in what seem to be quite serious relationships, having this inappropriate relationship with strangers online. So they're not immediately very likable because of mm. that. And and then especially Tom Hanks's character, who at the beginning is portrayed like this corporate villain. Like He says about the company that he works for and the customer's like, we're going to sell them cheap books and stimulants. But then as the story progresses and you get to know them, they become really likable people who are written really well. And we get to know their partners as well. And you start to feel like that they're just not a good match as yeah, opposed to yeah. them like being sort of deceptive or, you know, like, you know, emotionally cheating on their partners or whatever. So in some ways it reminded me a little bit of I Give It A Year because it's like you go yeah. on this journey with these characters and you get to the end and it's like, oh, no, they're just not right for each other. They've tried <laughs> with these other people, with Patricia and Frank. Frank, um, yeah, yeah but it just doesn't work out. Um, so I thought that was really interesting, and I was I was really sort of invested in the story as it developed. Uh, so I think it's written really nicely. I think there's clues to who the characters are as people in the script, and it feels and flows a lot like quite natural and normal dialogue. So you get some exposition dumping, obviously, when they're writing the emails to each other, but for the most part, I thought the script really held up. But there's some really nice touches throughout the film as well, that helped to tell the story. So Birdie, who works with Kath, who's Meg Ryan's character in the bookshop, she keeps a photo of Kath's dead mum in a locket around her neck. Mm. So you get an idea of how close they were, even though that's not really something that's discussed in the film it's until part, much even, nearer yeah, the end.
1: It's not even part of the plot, is it? It's just one of those little... And it, I think that those touches in a film like this are what elevate it above all the rom-coms that yes. are perhaps as well-received, which is, I think for me, like you said, it's all about that script. Because like you say, they're both with other people at the start mm-hmm. and they seem to be having this online line relationship, which raises questions of, like you say, is it dishonest? Is it, uh, is it almost like an infidelity? But actually, they're just emailing each other. So technically, mm-hmm. they've probably not done anything wrong. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: certainly certainly now, it will probably be seen as as being wrong. But I don't know. But like you say, the, the script is the star here. And, and I... Back to what you said, that I really like the dialogue as well. One that really, mm. th- th- there's some really good bits of dialogue. That you say character development dialogue, but also dialogue that like has a little bit of zing to it. So there's a bit where he's talking about Tom Hanks is talking about his partner Patricia, played by Parker Poser, and he says Patricia makes coffee nervous, which I realise, <laughs> like, which obviously is like that idea that she's so highly strong and so. Mm or oh, you know so almost i don't know high function or whatever it is he's trying to say that she makes coffee nervous and i thought that was that was um not that i needed to explain it but no that was that was a really nice touch so yeah i thought for me yeah the script really was was one of the stars of the film
2: yeah and like you said there's a lot of that that goes on because we get introduced to so it, there's a, a scene quite near the beginning where Tom Tom Hanks's character Joe is in he's like this boardroom or whatever of his place of work, and about halfway through the scene he refers to the man who's clearly in charge as Dad, mm. and that's the first hint like the or the first sort of reveal that you get like oh my goodness he's not only does he work for this massive sort of corporate company he's the son of the CEO yeah and it's not like it it. It was put into the script just so naturally; it wasn't forced in there. It wasn't just like, "Oh, oh, hey, Dad, how are you doing?" You know, just to make sure that we know that this guy is the son of the CEO. It just dropped in there like casual conversation, and this happened throughout the whole thing. And it's just a really nice way to develop your characters without really like shoehorning things in there or putting things front and center for your audience. It's trusting your audience, isn't it? And we like that. Yeah,
1: I think, th- and I think the trick that one of the things it does, and what what a lot of good scripts do is you feel like you're watching this particular story in these characters' lives, Mm -hmm. but that they existed before the story started and that life goes on after the story finished. Whereas a lot of times it's like particularly with rom-coms, with any film, they feel the need to bombard you with an exposition so you know everything at the beginning, then wrap it up almost too much at the end, mm-hmm. as if and as if like, and then they lived happily ever after and you don't need to know anymore because they're not real people. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas good scripts like this and other films we've talked about very much go, oh no, they existed beforehand, this happened and then they existed afterwards. Yeah. And, and I think that's, like you say, it's not spoon-feeding your audience, it's that right amount of... Showing because we always say, you know show don't tell but there is an element of balancing the two mm-hmm. and I think that's what this this film does really well you know it does tell you that his dad is his dad but it doesn't overly you know in another in 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 the hands of a, of a less skilled writer it'd have him just outwardly saying it in his dialogue so like when I started this company with my father and my exactly. grandfather you know what I mean whereas he just goes you know dad and you're like oh right so it's balancing it and it's not it's trusting your audience enough and not trusting your audience too much and sort of getting it right, getting that balance right. And I think that's, I think that's, it's difficult, but I think that's poised well through the whole film.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, I also think it's pretty funny. So there's a few well-written jokes in there. uh, Like when Joe sees himself appear on the television at the gym and he says, hey, you know, here's a good looking guy. And then you've got some (laughs) funny scenarios between the characters. I do that every
1: Friday at six, (laughs) (laughs) Alan.
2: There we go. Local TV every Friday, yeah. six PM. Keep an eye out for me and Josh, especially Josh. He's a good-looking yeah. guy. I'm um, always on the
1: treadmill as well.
2: <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Um, so, Kath and Joe's partners when they meet for the first time, so Patricia and Frank. It turns out that Patricia is like a massive fan of Frank because he's yeah. a writer slash journalist, and then she starts like fangirling all over him, and that was pretty amusing. And then Frank, in general, I do find quite a funny character. He has a lot of funny moments, a lot of funny lines, mm. He delivers them really well. Um, like, he's really anti-tech, isn't he? He says things like, name one good thing that technology's ever done for us. And that sort <laughs> of thing is just quite amusing. Um, and then you've got Joe's dad's partner, Jillian, who keeps being really inappropriate with Joe. Like, he goes to kiss her on the cheek and she tries to kiss him on the lips and then she's got her <laughs> hand on his knee and stuff. And it's like, just like... These great little layers and um, the sort of strength, I suppose, of the characters around them. Like, yeah, it's about Meg and Tom. Obviously, they're the big names on the poster, yeah. but everyone else is quite nicely it, developed. It's and a sort fleshed of out a bit of their world, own isn't it? It's quite yeah, a fl- it like is. so.
1: There's, there's even there's a little joke in there about the fact that both his dad and I think I'm not sure if it specifically says it, but I think it's his dad and his granddad, isn't it? Mm. Have both got a tendency to, shall we say, get married every couple of years, but the, but mm. the wives stay the same age. Yeah. <laughs> um And so there's a joke in it that his dad and granddad have sort of continued to have children, you know, the, as they've got older, so that Tom mm. Hanks has two little children with him who he's looking after. But there is that actually his brother oh, and his, his auntie. Brother and... Is it his, oh, what, his is one auntie one or something? His auntie? <laughs> and he makes a joke at the bookshop about like, he, they say they're your kids, and he goes, no, like the five year old one is my auntie, and the you know, the eight-year-old oh, one is my brother. That's
2: true. Oh my God. That, yeah, that went so, so
0: over the, my that, head.
1: Oh my god. But it's little touches like that that flesh out the it doesn't add anything to the story, but it mm-hmm. fleshes out the world so that it feels, you know, more real or more like a you know, like you're watching a, a wider thing. And I and I think that's what those touches of those those fleshing out of those characters in that world are are what makes it a decent film. Like they, they, like that's how they feel. Like not necessarily. Well, I suppose they do feel like real people. But you know, I think that's what really keeps you engaged.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, and just finally, then, so I think it's quite moving as well in a way mm. that I just wasn't expecting. So you've got first of all the relationship between everyone who works at the shop around the corner, which is Kath's uh, bookshop. They seem to be genuinely friends with each other. They're really likable people, and they're all quite funny and unique in their own right. Miss,
0: and then you've Miss got Miss Rhode this...
1: Island from Congeniality. Uh, Miss Congeniality.
0: Oh, that's where I recognise her. It's the, it's
1: the her only world. other thing I've seen her in. I was oh like, oh my I was god. Like, I I was waiting for to be like April twenty second. All oh you need is a light jacket. God.
2: It's April twenty fifth, Josh. Oh my, my god! I'm goodness. sorry. How many times have you watched that film? <laughs> no, like, the only reason I know it's April twenty fifth is because that is my mum and dad's wedding anniversary. And there that's why they
1: picked that date, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it must have been. Must have been. Um, so you, yeah, so you've got those guys who've got all their relationships in the shop, and I think they're 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 all really sweet. And then you've got this storyline of grief that comes up every now and then throughout the film. So the bookshop used to be Kath's mum's, who is dead... And sometimes Kath will bring it up in the emails that she's uh, sending to Joe. And there's one point where she's decorating a Christmas tree and she says it makes her think of her mum and that she misses her so much that she almost couldn't breathe. And I thought that was a really touching moment. And Mm. then again a bit later on, she eventually sells the shop and she says that it's like her mum died all over again. And I quite like this element of the narrative. I think it helps explain... Why she might be sticking in a relationship that isn't hundred percent right for her, and then maybe looking for comfort, you know, from this internet stranger. So I just I like that you get that bit of backstory about her. And again, it's not a film all about her mum being dead, and she talks about it all the time. There's literally just a couple of moments where she obviously feels so overwhelmed with the grief that she feels like she has to share that with mm. Joe and i just, i thought it was really nice like it's something yeah it is, it is. i just it, it must be relatable for so many people and i just thought that was really sweet yeah <laughs>
1: it really got me that too <laughs> i think and I, and I think it comes back to that world building like we said there are films about grief if you look at something like rain over me which we'll mm-hmm. come probably come back to because of uh, for reasons we'll discuss later on that is very much a film about And it's about one thing, and it does do a good job of balancing that. But at the same time, it's there; it's very much there to address grief. Whereas this yeah, is,
2: it's the whole thing. It, yeah. This
1: is, you know, these are real people with um real backstories, real lives, and mm. so it feels a little bit more fleshed out. And so, it, as a result of that, I think you can engage more with the characters on a on a realer level. I pr- I probably say.
2: Hmm. um so those were the main things for me josh so what about you is there anything you like that we didn't cover there
1: yeah so when i said it, it when when i said it met my expectations that wasn't a negative thing it, i mm-hmm. i went into expecting what it was which is a, was was a well-made rom-com
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so it was very much a film carried on the likability of and and sort of chemistry of the two leads. Obviously, I think this is the f- the third film they've made together by this mm. time because they've done Joe versus Volcano and Sleepless. Sleepless in, in, in Seattle. Seattle yeah Um so they're both really likable, which is which is a, a specifically with Tom Hanks's character is a testament to him because he is you know he is Mr. Likeable. He is Mr. Mm-hmm. Everyman. That's that's one of the things he's built his career on. He's one of those actors that he seems to be able to do everything. He can do comedy, he can do serious. he can do all sorts. Mm-hmm. Um and and if you think actually think about his character and the actions of his character in this film, he shouldn't be as likable as he is. Mm-hmm. But he, but he yep. is, um, yep. and that and that comes down to the script and how they're fleshed out. Like I said, we you know we we've already touched on the script, um so I won't go into it much more. All I will say is there was a really interesting element that it brought up, which is their sort of personal relationship versus their professional relationship and the mm. problems that anonymity brings mm. in terms of the co- their contradictory lifestyles and another thing I thought was really interesting was that what you see in this is characters who aren't right for each other a little bit like I give it a year mm. characters who aren't right for each other just having a really amicable amicable breakup
2: yes yeah, so mature just so, so yeah. kind of self aware because it's just um, uh, Kath and um, Frank. Frank are just in they're in like a, a restaurant or a diner or something and they're just like they're like, I don't love you. And she's like, oh, I don't love you either. And then it's like this sort of relief because it's almost, and again, similar to I Give It A Year, it's almost like, oh, are they playing relationship chicken? Are they just waiting to see, you know, wait to see if the other one runs first or do they actually love them? And it's like, you're in this like confusing sort of mess. And then it's just that relief of, oh, you're not feeling this either. Mm. Thank God I thought there was something wrong with me. And then when she eventually does get with Joe at the end... Like, she's so happy because, like, he turns up and it's like, oh, my God, you are the person that I was speaking to. And she says, like, I so wanted it to be you. I so wanted it to be you. Mm, so mm. it's it's just nice. And it? it's, just, it's just, lovely, just so nice. It is. It is
1: <laughs> it's a lovely, like, it's lovely in that sense, isn't it? So it's, um, again, I said I'd probably touch on this with Rain Over Me. It's one of those films where the, the setting is really important. You know, mm. New York. You, New York is probably the most cinematic city. It's it's probably mm-hmm. gonna, you're going to say it's New York, LA or Paris maybe, maybe London mm-hmm. those that, but but when you think of cinematic you know big films, you, New York's got to be up there, hasn't it? And it very mm-hmm. much is a character in this and the way it's made a character a little bit like what Ka- uh, uh, Karen touched on in a, in her email in a in a, in a message was that it goes through the seasons Mm. so it's set over a period of time so you see autumn and you see thanksgiving and you see christmas and you see and then and then and 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 that not only is it good because it shows the passage of time but with the changing of the seasons you get the changing of that color palette and 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 it really shows new york off and i think it just it just elevates the film a little bit and it, it does make it feel a little bit more romantic as well um Good music as well. I thought there was some good music in there. So you've you've got that, you have got that plinky-plonky score that you got in 90s rom-coms. But I also, you know, for example, Dreams by the Cranberries, they use that in this. Um, Great song for um, establishing characters. It's quite often used, I think, in in films and TV to show, you know, this is either the end of, you know, this is a new star or... This is your characters, you see your characters. Do you know the song I mean?
2: I don't I don't know if I do, to be honest. I might do if I heard it. It's
1: used a lot in, in Derry Girls because of, because it's the oh cranberries, right. so obviously it's an it's a mm. they're an Irish band and they sing a lot about that sort of stuff. So yeah, for me, uh, overall, re, you know, really enjoyed it. Did I did enjoy it. I didn't mean to do it a disservice when I said it met my expectations. It, and my expectations were high and it and mm. it went and and they were met, is what I meant.
2: There you go, that's all we could ask for. <laughs>
1: Okay, so let's move on then to talking about things that we didn't like about the film or that perhaps we would change about the film. I mean, you seem to be quite glowing about this. I thought, yeah, I didn't think, really? it, I wasn't sure how you'd, you know, how you'd take it. But I'm, I'm quite... Neither did I. I mean, I didn't pick it, but it's pleasant, I'm pleasantly surprised on behalf of the Lister, if anything. Um, was there anything you didn't like, though?
2: So there were a couple of things, but not major offenders, but... Meg Ryan's I'm typing an email acting is so bad. So she's so overly animated, like her head is moving about all over the place. She makes really big movements with her hands and her arms and does loads of facial expressions. And I don't need any of that because you've got her in a monologue narrating yeah. what she's writing. So I don't need this sort of, these fake expressions of feeling. It felt really unnatural and was pretty distracting. And I just wanted her to stop. Um The other thing as well was, so Joe obviously spends a lot of time with what I've written down to be his niece and his nephew, but obviously it's his aunt and his like half-brother or whatever. I'm not
1: not not, not 100% of what they are, but... He does, unless, unless when he says it, he's being sarcastic. But the joke well, I, I got but I was that. I thought
2: he was. I thought it was like a flirty joke with uh, cats. It he was, was like, oh, yeah, she's my aunt. Well, but I, I think I she got, actually might
1: be. Yeah, what I got was that his, his dad and his granddad just keep marrying keep having kids, younger yeah, women. Yeah, yeah. And so they keep having kids so that she actually is his aunt, but she's like eight.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But then, can <laughs> probably thinks it's a joke. But then, that's what makes it all the funnier. So, yeah, I think you're probably right. So he's he's at like a carnival or at the fair or something with them, and they win goldfish in bags and I just fucking hate it so much they used to do this in fairs when I was a kid yeah, I hated it then and I hate it now please everyone leave the fish in the rivers in the lakes in the oceans where they belong you don't if, need fish and you don't need to win them as prizes at a freaking fair and I just hate it so but rash. if you
1: were if you were at a fair right and you, and you've left the fish they're fine they're happy I think the important thing to ask is what colour candy floss would you get
2: um, so I don't really like candy floss because I don't like the way it makes my teeth feel, oh, but... Something if,
1: wonderful and magical, Alice doesn't <laughs> like it.
2: I like having all my teeth in, we're, in my mouth. I'll where tell you, what, Alice long, lab, not rotting.
1: A, a sweet potato <laughs> wrap. Awesome! Yeah. like that. Yes,
2: please. Yes, please. Whole meal. Yeah. Um but no, if I mean if blue candy floss was ever available, I would in go it, for yeah. that. Because you've always got oh, blue blue. I love blue stuff, you know. If
1: you're a kid and you want to go absolutely mental and bounce off walls and ceilings, oh, it's all exactly. about the blue candy floss, <laughs> exactly. isn't it? Um anyway, yeah, sorry, what what else did um, you like well, Part of the fish in the bag? I would have thought because you God. don't like you don't like fish. I would have thought you'd I love to see I them also, in a sandwich bag.
2: So it's a double whammy. I don't like fish anyway, as as a phobia, and I don't like animal cruelty. And you've got both those things going on right there. (laughs) So I couldn't live without that. Um, And just finally, and just slightly um, uh, the opposite of what you said, but the biggest offender for me is the fucking music. I hated it. It did my head in. Not the the soundtrack. Soundtrack was was fine. Score. But the score was, it it was just infuriating. So it's used in the same way that it would be used for a film that has a bad script or bad actors or a film that they feel needs... Needs to handhold the audience all the way, and it mostly just felt totally unnecessary. Mm. It was too prominent, it was too big, and it was too distracting. Like Kath and Joe would be having an email conversation, and for me, it felt really clear what emotions they're trying to convey right through mm. the script, mm. through the delivery, through their performance. I then don't need this massive score to go, oh, they're saying sad things now, you better feel sad, or oh, they're saying romantic things. Like I, I just didn't need it, Josh. And I know that I, I pick apart scores a lot just because I noticed them so much. But in this, mm. I noticed it so badly. And I was like, I think if this had been the film that I thought it was going to be, then fine. Maybe yeah. you need that music to cover up all the gaps and to cover up all the slow or the bad bits or whatever. But it wasn't. The film was better than I thought it was going to be. And mm. so I just don't think it needs that music. And I feel like it's almost like the filmmaker or you know the the studio or whoever showed it to someone... And they were like, oh, it's not very romantic, is it? And it's like... Well, it is, and it's like, but there wasn't any music in it. It was the romantic music, and it's like, where's oh, <laughs> the plinky plonky piano? Anymore. I need plinky exactly. plonky piano. It's in the words. It's in the feelings. It's in the emotions, and mm. I got it. So I just didn't need the music at all. Um, but that was it for me. Those were the only three things that I didn't really like about this okay. film, or that I would change. Uh, so, what about you, Josh? Where are you at
1: um, with this? A couple of things. Nothing. Nothing massive. I mean, with the score, I, 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 did, I was neither here nor there on the score. I suppose mm. what I meant was I preferred. I, I did. I did quite like a couple of soundtrack choices Sounds, that was fun. um so the first thing that, that leaps out at me is it is immediately dated
2: okay in which what is way? A,
1: Go on. well it's, so it's not it's not necessarily a criticism mm-hmm. but speaking objectively if you did if you you know it did date immediately so you look i what i looked at the opening um titles you know mm. and it's like a 3d model of new york and it goes through new york and, I, and all i could think was someone's had that idea and I bet it costs loads of money and now yeah. it looks like a fucking screensaver.
2: Oh, but if you put your mind back into... Like, when Na- did this film come out? Like, was it late 90s, 90s or late, late, late 90s, yeah. Late 90s, right? So, Because oh, I put myself back in that brain and I was like, for the time this is really impressive and you wouldn't have seen much like (laughs) Um, it before, I don't think. I know what you mean. The dial-up sound.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So there's the, I suppose the fact that it says you've got mail and the way that they're typing their emails as if it's this Mm -hmm. newfangled thing
2: Mm -hmm. immediately
1: dates it. That's not necessarily a bad thing because you can still watch like, Pride and Prejudice or whatever, and you know, read older books, and it's not that you're going well. Just send each other a text, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. all but just, avoided yeah. it.
2: They just had their mobile yeah, phones. It's it's
1: just something. It's just something I noticed. It wasn't necessarily a um, criticism, although I would say well, it is a little dated. And again, in terms of the costumes and the hair and the makeup, like mm-hmm. even if you look at say Meg Ryan's hair
2: mm. or
1: Tom Hanks's like clothes, like there's so many like boxy suits. Like mm. late 90s boxy suits in this. Um, but you know what? There are plenty of dated films from earlier than this, there are plenty of dated films after this with troublesome language in them. So that's not necessarily a criticism, it's just something I noticed. The mm. main thing I'd suppose is, is, is Tom Hanks' character a little bit manipulative? Because uh, he learns he learns who she is. Mm. She doesn't know who he is until the end. Mm -hmm. And in the interim, he chooses not to tell her Mm -hmm. and sort of manipulate her and play... He almost plays himself off against himself.
2: Yes. So I, I was thinking about this as well, sort of as the film was happening. But for me, but this might have just been because, you know, I was already into the film and I was invested or whatever. The way I read it was that he was so sure that she would hate him. If she knew it was him, it's like, oh God, if she just thinks that I'm just Joe Fox, you know, the big corporate guy who wants to destroy all the little mom and pop stores on the street. I think he, the impression I got was that he liked her so much that he was like, I can't let her find out yet because that will be the end of it. So it's like he tried to sort of, I think you are right because even as I'm saying it now, he did try to control the situation and try to sort of get himself in a position where he could be ready to let her know and know that she is ready to hear it and that she wouldn't just shut him down immediately. So it is a little bit controlling and it is a little bit manipulative, but I don't, think that his intentions were cruel and I don't think they were malicious. I mm. think he did it out of fear. I think he was genuinely scared. Like, if she finds out, she's just going to, like, disregard everything. So what you're
1: saying is, it's okay for men to manipulate women. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, <laughs> no, no, no. No,
1: and then, no, I, I, I obviously, oh, I'm joking. I absolutely I completely get what you said. And it wasn't like a... I can when people say it about things like about time, which I which you <laughs> know still has a good place in my heart. But I do completely course, get that idea. I, I do completely get that he essentially uses his power to to manipulate him into becoming his partner. And mm. it's not as bad as that. The other thing I wanted to and I wanted to see what you thought about this was: Would you even entertain spending time with him if he put your shop out of business?
2: Um, like it's what... your
1: mum's shop, mm-hmm. and he. Willingly knows that and puts Mm -hmm. it out, puts her out of business. And Mm -hmm. it's a bit like, it's just business. Like, yeah. (laughs) And she's like, I'd be like, no, your massive company put my little bookshop out of business when it didn't need to. Do you
2: mean after she finds out who he is?
1: Yeah. Like, like, would you, or is it meant to be that she's fallen in love with him? Like, how would you? How would you quantify that in your head? Your sort of love and chemistry with this with this person, but also knowing it'd be like it'd be like falling in love with someone who killed a relative. I think. Do you know what I mean? I got dark really quickly. Do you know what Um, I mean? Though it's like
2: the way the way that I think they were trying to design it, or at least some of the way that I interpreted it, was that she sort of needs to leave the shop behind. Right. I think Birdie says something about it where it's like by being here and by having the shop you're really holding on to your mum and to the memory the of your mum. Yeah. And it's not about forgetting, but it is about moving on. And I think there's Birdie says something quite um enlightening and I can't remember what it was, but it's something about how, you know, about change being good and it about opening new doesn't opportunities. Doesn't she say something and you about how your,
1: different... mum, your, mum and your mum wouldn't care? She says, doesn't she say something Maybe. like your mum would or your mum would want you to be, to leave it behind. She wouldn't want you to be stuck in the I can't remember what she says. I know what you mean. I suppose, because what she does do is she goes on to write children's books, doesn't she?
2: Mm.
1: So perhaps... Because the only hint you get that she likes children's stories is that she reads, she does story time in the shop. She
2: reads to the kids, yeah. So oh, maybe so
1: sweet. <laughs> maybe we mm-hmm. needed a little bit more of that and a little bit more relief when the shop was closed to sort of balance out against the fact that Tom Hanks is like, it's business time. Yeah. You know? Because
2: when the shop does close, she does say, like I said before, it feels like my mum died. That's all over what I again. mean. It's
1: so I mean it's so linked yeah. to her mum. That if a man came along and was like, it's just business, I'm putting you out of business, yeah. let's go out. Would you be like, mm. Oh, yeah, that that is fine. Or, would you, or would <laughs> But he's you, rich, Josh. He's, he's well, rich he's, beyond our wildest
2: dreams. <laughs>
1: he, do you know what it is? They seem to be the, they seem to be a really wealthy family at the head of a conglomerate, but they're all like just living in like in a little flat. Mm. Like he must be a millionaire, and he seems to be but then it also you get the hint that they're all living with their partners and they don't Mm. actually have anywhere that they themselves live. They just...
2: Except for their boats. Except Except for their boats that get progressively bigger. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) But that was it for me. Mm. Nothing nothing massive uh, overall. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Okay then. So let's move on to talking about the critical reception and then we'll try and decide is it the most romantic film ever made? Um, So Alice, now... You had a very positive reaction to this. Yes. So how do you think it did critically?
2: Well, my I, I'm leaning towards it of being being quite highly rated because okay. obviously Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, you know, that whatever they were doing at the time was working. I think this film would have really sort of slotted in nicely to what was happening in cinema at the time. Um I think you've got to go at like mid-sevens. I feel mid like sevens. it's gotta go at least a mid-seven. I'd say I'm going to say 7.4 or a 74%. Um, and
1: what um, would you give it?
2: Um maybe just a tiny bit lower than that, like literally just a yeah. tiny bit lower yeah. than that, like maybe a low 7 like 7.1, 7.2. Okay. But okay. definitely it's this is definitely at least a 7 for me and I don't yeah. say that that often. No do you I? don't,
1: you don't, you don't. <laughs> for me um, listeners,
2: 7 is
1: good. If yeah. something
2: is a seven, it's
1: good. Uh, and Alice seven is a Josh eight and a half.
2: Yes, exactly that. <laughs> exactly that.
1: Um, so at the time of recording over an IMDb, it mm. gets 6.7 out of 10. Okay. So a little bit lower than we thought. Mm-hmm. The audience on Rotten Tomatoes give it 73%. Ooh. And the critics give it 70%, Ooh. which averages out bang on 70% or seven uh. out of 10. So it's it's more or less what we said. Okay. It's a little bit lower. So for me, I would say I'd give it about a seven point seven out of ten. I think mm-hmm. it was a decent film, but based on what you've said, perhaps it is underrated.
2: I so I think that is a tiny bit underrated. A smidge. I think sort of like I think a little it's, bit. If we'd just gone into the 7s like a 7.1, 71, yeah. 72 or whatever, I think I'd feel a bit more yep, yeah, that makes sense. But as it only just hit the 7 and that's 6.7 on IMDb. That's low. Isn't I it? am surprised by that. Um see, I think it's a little bit underrated, you know. What so about we say you? A,
1: if we say it's a smidge underrated and a call tiny it. Bit. Sm- it is just underrated.
2: Yes.
1: underrated. <laughs> S- so, so it is it is underrated. Okay. So it's underrated, but the big question is mm. Well, is it the most romantic film?
2: It's not it's, an... it's it's not it is pretty pretty damn romantic. It's pretty romantic. And you know what what is key in romantic films is that you're rooting for both those individuals. Yes. And I was rooting for both those individuals. Took me a while, obviously with Joe because he he starts out a bit ropey and you're not sure what he's about. Mm. But he does have he does have more depth to him than you perhaps initially think. Mm. And I am rooting for those characters, and I'm happy when they get together at the end. I don't think it's the most romantic film I've ever seen, but it is certainly undeniably romantic, I think. What about you?
1: Yeah, I'd agree, because I think it's... Not only is it romantic because it is a romantic comedy, but it's also romantic in the way it portrays New York, the -hmm. way it seems... The way the characters talk about... You know, philosophy and love and life. It it has a romantic sentiment that runs throughout the film that is outside of that relationship between the characters. Do you know what I mean? So that mm-hmm. probably elevates it. So yeah, for me, it's it's not the most romantic film ever made, but that is a you know that is a definitively subjective thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know, like we've sort of we've touched on a little bit. It you know that. That can be down to a relationship between you and your partner at the time, some a memory. So it definitely is a romantic film. And I, I definitely think, you know, it's it's well worth a watch if you're looking for a romantic film to watch this Valentine's Day, Alice.
2: There we go. And that was the whole point. So there we go. You've Got Mail, pretty damn romantic. Maybe not the most romantic film we've ever seen, but a little bit underrated. So it's ticked that box of the podcast, not it? Indeed, indeed. Um, Definitely anyway, worth a
1: watch, we think.
2: Yes, I, I would I would certainly say so. Uh, so, Josh, here we go. My favourite time of the week. What are we going to be watching next time?
1: You're either going to love this or you're oh, going to fucking hate me.
2: Like with most of your choices, yeah, like, let's be honest, but there yeah, we go. Um <laughs>
1: Ding, 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 ding. Mission Impossible? I'm writing. <laughs> I'm writing. Um, next, I'm we're going to be touching on the old James Bond franchise. Okay. Um, we are going to be talking about The World Is Not Enough.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm, all righty-o then yes, there we are
1: I can see you're raring to go on I that am, one I um, feel um, like I'm
2: holding a pretty neutral <laughs> stance here Josh I don't think you can tell what I'm thinking one <laughs> way um, or but, the
1: other indeed well we'll see we'll see what you think next week mm-hmm. Um, in so yes join us next week we're going to be talking about The World Is Not Enough in the meantime if you'd like to get in touch with us the email address is films and that pod at gmail.com where all the social medias if you just uh, search for just films and that on facebook instagram twitter tiktok you'll find us drop us a message we like to see you like to hear from you and thank you very much for listening and of course if you haven't already uh, heard uh, we're on patreon um so head over to patreon loads of stuff there it's just it's uh, just for so it's just for films and that on patreon you can get uh, there's a couple of tiers on there starting at two pounds working the way up um extended episodes bonus content uh, episodes a day early few other bits on there Any support you can give us will be massively appreciated. But of course, just listening to us is brilliant. Thank you very much for listening. And I'll tell you where else you can find us on your telly box, Alice.
2: Indeed. Every Friday evening from 6pm, you can find us on the local TV network talking about all our favourite underrated and underseen films. So if you live in Birmingham, Bristol, Leeds, Liverpool or the north-east of England, you can find us on Channel 7 on Freeview. Or if you live in North Wales or South Wales, you can find us on Channel 8 on Freeview. That is every Friday from 6pm.
1: Yes, lots of ways to hear us, see us, get in touch. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week. Goodbye from me. Cheerio!
2: Bye. Bye!